welcome to you, you who will be joining us later to Spirit of Grace Church. We pray that you will feel exactly what we're feeling here. Amen. Where he is lifted up, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. Amen. According to the power that worketh in us. Amen.
please come. I want to be free from stuff I picked up this week. Amen? We can't walk through the world in these days without there being a residue of heaviness. And the enemy is waiting to steal our joy and steal our courage and steal our hope and our joy. But Jesus has come to give life. Praise God. And that more abundantly. Praise God. We're getting ready to sing one of my favorite songs.
hold on to what we just experienced and what you are feeling. And I want you to bring every ounce of it when pastor gets up here to preach. Amen? Praise God. The, the word must go forth. And our hearts and our minds must be prepared to receive it and to put it to action in our lives. Amen. That's the only way it does what only it can do. Is when we grab a hold of it with our heart and mind and both hands. And say, God, what I do, let it permeate every part of my being. And let it change. We're not just changed once when we come to know him. We have got to be changed. 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 Amen. Got a couple of exciting things going on. If you have not yet adopted someone from the orphan orphanage in Mexico, please see Taryn. Raise your hand, case, just in case they don't know you. Um, I think we've got a few more. That, no, we're done. What? Oh, we've adopted everybody. That's so awesome.
There is the depth of the Holy Ghost in this place. Would you just reach out to him one more time, Jesus? Foot in the waters 
and see what the Holy Ghost will do. Just reach out to him right now in your own way. It's not like anybody else. It's you and Jesus. But there's something that is stirring in this house today right now. I sense it so strong and I don't want to miss it. I don't want to rush through it. I want to soak it all up. I want to absorb it. I want to be saturated by it. From the tops of our heads to the soles of our feet. Let us get lost in the presence of the anointing of Jesus.
from a longtime saint in our church who has had a dream. And they don't know who this applies to. It may apply to several of us. But I want to read what they shared with me. And then I'm going to give somebody the opportunity to be released from this. There is a person in this house, I believe, today that is struggling with sleep. Not just rest, but sleep. And every time they sleep, a hand pokes them, pokes at them until they wake up. It's been going on for as long as this person can remember. This person actually sees a physical human hand poking them. They think it's visible to all of us because it is to them. And so there's a lot of frustration in your spirit, in your mind, thinking, well, why can't people believe me? I can see it. How come they're not seeing it? And uh, they're struggling because of this. And the lack of rest is affecting their relationships, and they feel like they're losing their mind. And this person needs someone to come alongside them and fight with them. And then they added this. This was their words to me. Strange detail. Not sure if it applies at all, but maybe one of those things that connects the person to the situation. They were in their laundry room where they were living when they were struggling the most. And so I would ask you today, if you would, just close your eyes all across the sanctuary. And if this dream or vision applies to you, would you just raise your hand across this congregation? Now I'm asking everybody else, would you raise your hands and just come against the spirit of unrest and the spirit of lack of sleep and just begin to breathe sleep and rest into the spirits of these dear people. Jesus, by the authority of the word of God and the power that's in the blood of the lamb, Lord, you are the rest wherewith the righteous will find rest. I come against this spirit, Lord, that would trouble, that would harass, that would keep, Lord, people awake at night, that would not give them the rest that they need. I come against it right now. I stand in the gap for this person, Lord. I'm speaking it out in Jesus' name. There may be somebody watching this on video, God. I'm asking you to go where they're at if they're dealing with this and begin to embrace them and strengthen them. Lord, there's a move of heaven right now. God, and I'm asking you to send forth the angels that are ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation and begin to do a mighty work in your name. In Jesus' name, will you now seal this with a praise and a worship to him? Jesus, we lift you up and praise your name. God, praise God. Praise God. Listen, we've shared with you for several months that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. If you've been fighting humans, you've been fighting the wrong fight. And I want to encourage you to step into the right fight on your knees in prayer, in worship, in sacrifice, praise God. The Lord laid this on my heart just a few minutes ago. I can't really give you a title, 
can give you what the title is in my Bible. It just says book five. <laughs> Psalm 107 to 150. We're not covering all those psalms. But I do feel led to remind you and to share with you line by line the book of Psalms 107. Psalm 107 is something that we sometimes quote, we sometimes reference, but there's a few things in here that is appropriate for the time in which we live. And there are pastors all over the country today trying to figure out exactly how to address the election that we've just come through. And, and I know it's not totally all settled. There's upheaval all over the place. But here's the one thing that, that I do know. If we are true believers, if we stand on the promises of the Word of God, the Bible says over and over that He sets up and He puts down secular authorities. And so whoever becomes our president, the church is still going to be the church. And whoever is the governor, the church is still going to be the church. And so I am encouraged today because God is allowing his people to refocus now, yes. not on the things of the world or the earth, or in our case, the things going on in America, but he has opened up the door again for you and I to do what Matthew tells us to do that's the most important, and that is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So we're stepping into a season like never before where the kingdom of God needs to be our focus. The kingdom of God needs to be our focus. And so as I was praying this morning, and uh, I'll just be honest with you, this happens quite often, and this church knows that. I, I knew God was getting ready to do something special because I woke up with a migraine. And I uh, didn't tell anybody. And uh, so as I was sitting right back where Owen's at now, as the songs begin to, to come, you could just feel the... Because we're, I, I figured out that the biggest reason that I get a migraine is all of my stress goes between my shoulder blades and my neck. And I get real tight. And so if I sleep wrong or if something's getting ready to happen, but it has been invariable that whenever I have a migraine on Sunday morning, God's getting ready to do something in the service if I'll just push through it. And so as I'm sitting back there and the, the, the pain and the tightness start to alleviate as we begin to sing holy water, and, and I sense the worship among us. And then as I walked from there to get over here to get ready, you could sense the presence of God. And, and as I get up here, uh, the message wasn't the message, obviously. And so he told me, I believe, to open this psalm to you today. And we're going to read it. And we're going to go through the entire thing because it, many of the points are not... Jesus is just going to preach, or, or David, whoever wrote this psalm, they're the ones that are going to preach to us today. I'm just going to be the mouthpiece. So Psalm 107 says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Listen, we've had all kinds of things happening in the body of Christ recently, but the Lord is still good. I've spoken at two funerals in the last week, but the Lord is still good. 
people are hurting all around us, but the Lord is still good. Things are in turmoil, but the Lord is still good. So I will give thanks to him for all things. And the, the, the book of Thessalonians says, if I do that, I will fulfill what God has willed us to do. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. It's a forever love. He doesn't stop loving. He can't stop loving. We just came through a series of messages about love first because God is love. He loves you. Even when it's a dark day, even when the clouds are heavy, even when your life is in turmoil and you feel like you're in the eye of the storm, he still loves you. When you have a bad attitude, when you're not looking at things the right way, when you're struggling to see up, he still loves you. So the question is, in verse 2, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. It's time for the church to begin to open their mouths and their spirits and share with others the redemption of the Lord. I told you, I think it was last week or the week before, my weeks are all jumbled together, but I declared unto you, I believe that God is going to double this church, not because of who we are, but because of who he is, and because there are people all around us that are hungry and thirsty. If he's going to do that, it's going to take you and I to speak out about the redemption of what he has done for us. Speak out, then uh, tell others that he has redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Listen, we have been preaching in this church since I have been here and even before because this church has never been just a community church. We are a regional church. We've got people all the way from Stillwater to Delano, from Isanti to South Minneapolis that come to this church. We are all over the map. He has called all of us together. There are some of us that have wandered in the wilderness, lost and hopeless, didn't know where to go, didn't know what church to land in, didn't know where you were going to get fed. You were hungry and thirsty and spiritually you almost died. But then you cried out to the Lord for help and then you cried in your trouble and he rescued you from your distress. And he led you straight to safety to a city where you could live. You, you were led into a congregation of people that are not judgmental, that don't have it all together. We're not perfect by any stretch of imagination, but we are lovers of Christ and lovers of people, and you can find a safe refuge in this house. Let them praise the Lord for his great love. And for the wonderful things he has done. For he satisfies the thirsty. And he fills the hungry with good things. Let me just tell you, we have been in a season of thirst. We have been in a season of hunger. Because we are humans. And because we are mostly Americans. We have gotten tied up for the last eight to nine months 
in the concept of our free elections. And please don't misunderstand me. I want to vote. I voted. I want you to vote. I want everybody that can to vote. And I, But the bottom line is, is that we check the news on one day. We check the news on the next. And is my candidate winning? Is my candidate losing? Is this happening? Is that? And all of a sudden we've gotten so tied up and tangled up with the things of this world that we forget that this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I am a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen of glory. And when I get tied up and tangled up in what we're dealing with here, listen, let's just even take it out of the election. Some of us are worried about our jobs. Some of us are worried about our homes. Some of us are worried about our retirement. Some of us are worried. And, and, and because all you hear on the news and all you see on the newspapers and all the things that are going on around us, you are seeing and feeling the onslaught of heaviness. Can I declare to you what Daniel said the enemy was going to attempt to do in the last days? It says in Daniel, I believe it's chapter 7, that he will try to wear out the saints. I have come today to tell you, you can lift up your head unto the hills from whence cometh your help. Your help comes from him. He will supply your need. He will keep you safe from harm. He will wrap his loving arms around you. He satisfies the thirst and he fills the hungry. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom in prison in iron chains of misery. Listen, they rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That's why he broke them with hard labor. They fell and no one was there to help them. Listen, some of you have gone through some things because you were stubborn. Some of you have dealt with things because you were locked up, tied up in the iron chains of misery, and you rebelled against the things that God had put into place, and you became even addicted to the things of this world until you got to the very bottom level of your existence, and you had nowhere else to go, and in the bottom level of your existence, you cried out to him like 13 said, Lord, help! They cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. And he led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Let them praise the Lord for his great love, his wonderful things he has done for them. For he broke down the prison gates of bronze and cut apart the bars of iron. Listen. It doesn't matter what you have to deal with today because he's already brought you a whole long way. You've gone through things that you never imagined you'd ever make it through. For some of us, we never thought we'd reach where we're at today. Some of us thought we would have died long ago. Some of us thought we would be lost forever. But Jesus stepped into your situation and Jesus is continuing to step into your situation. You might as well praise him for it. Which tells me something. They cannot be relocked. He didn't just open them with a key. He snapped them. He took it apart. He made it so that you don't have to go back to what you were in. You don't have to go back into the bondage that you were struggling with. You have been set free. And he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. 
rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food and they were knocking on death's door. Listen, there are some people in our lives and some of you may have been there at one point in time where unless you had maximum drama in your life, you didn't know how to function. And when God made the things of life smooth, you, you freaked out because you couldn't understand why it was working so well. And so you automatically, what ends up, and listen, I've dealt with people like this left and right. And so when things are going well, they mess it up on their own because they knew how to deal with their misery, but they didn't know how to deal with their victory. They couldn't stand the thought of food, and it was easier to knock on death's door than to make the change that God was doing. And in that moment, they cried, Lord, help, and he saved them from their destruction. I don't know if you're catching these scriptures here, but when you call out to him, when you shout the name of Jesus, help me, he steps into your situation. Sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. So let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. Some went off to sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits' end. But then they cried, Lord, help! And he saved them from their distress. And then it says this, he called the storm to a whisper. Somebody here has been running from the things of God. You've been trying to figure out your path on your own. And you have been stuck in the middle of a sea. And you have caught a wave and you have soared to the heavens. But then you've crested at the wave and you've come crashing down to the depths. To the point where you think your life is already breaking apart. The ups and downs of life have torn you apart. And they're messing with your spirit and your mind. If you will cry out to him today, I believe that he will whisper to the storm and still the waters. A blessing of stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Listen. There is turmoil in the spirits of believers. And the reason that there is turmoil is because the spirit of humanism has taken up hold in our world. The basic necessity of humanism is self. Everything becomes self-focused. And, and it's not an accidental ploy. We taught this in, in Grace College several weeks ago. It, it's, it's not an accident. There have literally been humanist manifestos that were written. The first one was written in 1933. It was updated in 1973. It was updated again in 2003. 
and the things that were written in those manifestos are coming to pass before our eyes. The concept of humanism has been fighting against us. And so what ends up happening is we are getting bombarded on all sides to worry about us. But then in our Holy Spirit that, well, that wells up inside of us, it's not about us, it's about Him. And so there is an internal struggle that happens inside of us between who we are and who He is. Listen, my friend, He is more important than I am. His kingdom is more important than my kingdom. His kingdom does not promise me a, a, a smooth path. It does not promise me an easy goal of it. In fact, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But rejoice because I have overcome the world. While we may deal with some issues and sufferings and struggles down here, there is a God who is releasing his kingdom. That one day coming is going to be a trumpet sounding from the skies and we are going to step into a heavenly kingdom and we are going to get there and we're going to look around and we're going to look back on our earthly life and say, that was easy. That was worth it. That was worth the fight. Can I just tell you in verse 33, he changes rivers into deserts and springs of water into dry, thirsty land. He turns the fruitful land into salty wastelands because of the wickedness of those who live there. But then notice this. See, see, let me just stop there before I go. We like to preach, and, and I say we in the plural of majesty. All of us that preach like to preach about the good things of God. I love preaching about miracles. I love preaching about deliverance. I love preaching about healings and, and redemption and lives changed and marriages. That's fun. Because nobody gets mad at you. <laughs> but when you preach what I just read, people don't like that very much. So I'm going to read it again. He changes rivers into deserts. Can I tell you that some deserts you have walked are God-ordained and God-made? See, it's not as exciting when I say it that way, is it? And springs of water into dry, thirsty land? Well, God, it's not fair that I didn't get my way. So? See, all of us as kids wondered where mom and dad got it. They got it from God. Well, you can't have it because I said so. Well, that doesn't make sense. That's not fair. So? That was the big argument in my house. I had two siblings. It wasn't fair that they got to do that. And this and So what? See, he causes it. Look, that's what he's saying. He's saying he changes it. He changes the rivers and the deserts, the springs and the dry, thirsty. He turns the fruitful land into sultry wastes. Listen, your job loss wasn't always the devil. I, I know that's not easy to hear. All of the fruitful land that you had, the crash of the market, all of the stuff that's going on in the world, it's not all the devil. He gets more credit than he deserves. Can I just tell you the devil is a defeated foe? 
He just gives you a little bit of fluff. He gives you a little bit of falsehood. He deceives you a little bit. But we, we get so determined that we're under attack from the enemy that we fail to realize that sometimes it's God changing our rivers in the desert and our springs into salty uh, our land and thirsty land and taking our fruitful land into wasteland because of the wickedness of those who live there. Listen, we live in a wicked community. Now, listen, you have to remember what I said at the beginning of my message. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm not calling people wicked, but we live in a wicked community, an anti-God community, an anti-Christ community. You think about all the billboards, all the advertisement, all the TV shows, and you can, you can count on one hand the amount of shows and advertisements that are godly. And you can take 1,500 hands and count the, the, the things of that. We live in a situation. And so because we live in that environment, God allows us from time to time to become parched, to become fruitless, to have a dry, desert, thirsty land experience because he wants to fulfill it in verse 35 because this is what he says. He also then turns deserts into pools of water and dry land into springs of water. Listen, you can't have the springs of living water until you've had a desert experience. You can't find the, 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 the water that quenches your thirst until you get into a salty experience. I want to declare to you today, if you're in your desert place, if you're in your salty wasteland place, Hold on just a few more days because those springs of living water are getting ready to explode in your life and you're going to experience him like never before. See, I didn't think that was fair in 1989 or 90. See, I got to a place where I felt sorry for myself. And God taught me some things. When I went into ninth grade, I had a decision to make. Was I going to follow the call of God on my life as an 11 year old into the ministry? Or was I going to pursue my desire to play the sport of hockey? And I was blessed having my father go before me and have that same deal. And he made different decisions. And I had heard his testimony over and over and over again. He used to travel the country and he would share his testimony with young people and he would let me tag along and go evangelize with him. And he would share with them how he became the captain of the Minnesota Gopher hockey team. And when we were in Indiana and Ohio teaching that, they didn't understand the importance of being the captain of the Gopher hockey team. <laughs> but in Minnesota, it was a big deal. So their eyes perked up when he started talking about sitting down with Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito of the Boston Bruins, World Stanley Cup champions, sitting at game number seven and sitting right in between them as a 20-year-old kid thinking, oh my Lord, I've made it. And then having the guts to turn it down so that he could play in the Olympics and go to the Olympics in Sapporo, Japan and win a silver medal and have them come and put a medal around his neck and score against the Russians. And he scored twice against the Russians. Once against the Russians and once in his own net. <laughs> he scored against the Czechs. All these world powers 
had the silver medal, came home, signed a lucrative contract with the Minnesota Fighting Saints, and became a professional hockey player, and he had money, and he had fame. He could. He sat down, Sid Hartman just passed away recently. He'd sit down with Sid Hartman, he'd sit down with Wally Old, he'd sit down with all these people, and, and sat down next to, he did a signing session with Alec Page. And yet he would share that in the middle of the night he was miserable. And he would crawl out of his bed and go to the living room and, and just bawl his eyes out because he wasn't doing what God had called him to do. So in ninth grade, because of his testimony over and over and over again, I, I stopped playing the game of hockey and I focused on what I was going to I knew where I was going to college. Well, I didn't know the place, but I knew what I was going to go in, in ninth grade. And so when I graduated, I packed up my belongings. I moved 20 hours to the east to the great metropolis of Dover, Delaware. <laughs> the metropolis of Dover, Delaware is equivalent to the metropolis of now then. <laughs> Maybe a little bit bigger, but not much. I was going to live in this beautiful dormitory that was set up like a hotel room. I'd have my own double bed and we had our own bathrooms and showers in our rooms. And then I get there, and about two days later, the health uh, officials come and they close the dorm down. So now I'm having to live in a saint's home for the first couple of months. And I'm having to live with somebody that I didn't know very well and got to, to, to had to get to know them. And, and so about a year goes in. I'm struggling to pay a school bill. I'm struggling to figure out what. And, and I'm working at a hotel called Arbor Gate Inn. And it's a hotel that I would uh, go there at 11 o'clock and work the 11 to 7 shift. And then I'd go back and shower and change and go to class. And, and, and I would sit, this was the kind of, this was the kind of hotel that was not high end. And so I would watch drug deals going down and all kinds of deals. And I'd watch these people walk around with all these wads of cash sticking out of their pockets and they were making a fortune. And here I was trying to do what God wanted me to do and I couldn't rub two nickels together and I, I couldn't hardly pay my school bill and I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that and they're out doing what they want to do making all kinds of money and, 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 and so all of a sudden what ended up happening is I stopped feeling the presence of God and I went months without feeling God at all and we would come and we'd sing in the choir and the presence of God and the power of God would move into the services but I could never, he brought me to my desert place and he brought me to my wasteland place because of what I was seeing and what I was starting to compare myself to and I was starting to have a pity party and so I did what I knew would be the best thing to do and I sat down with Sister Trout and, and most of you don't know who she is, she's the president of the college she's the one, she's my mom in the ministry she gave me my first ministry job as the youth pastor and so I sat down with her and I said Sister Trout I don't know what's going on I can't feel a thing I can't see a thing all I feel is a brick wall I don't experience anything we're having these awesome services and I'm just sitting there and, I, and I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do but I can't sense anything and she looked at me and I thought that she would maybe have a tender moment I was wrong I thought she would pat me on the shoulder and say, it's okay, Tim, you'll, you'll get through this. That's not what she did. She did put her hand on my shoulder and she said this, welcome to the club. That wasn't very reassuring. I was like, what club am I getting involved in? 
She says, until you get to a desert place, you'll never understand the spring place. Until you have been so thirsty because of your salty wasteland, you will never know what it's like for the springs of living water to flow through you. I have never forgotten that. I will have to be honest to tell you that that may have been the greatest lesson of Bible school. It may have been the greatest lesson of my early ministry is to understand that there are times and seasons when God allows us to go into barren territory, to dry and salty lands, not to punish us, uh, not to penalize us, but so that we would be appreciative and understand when the spirit of God begins to move. And since that day in 1989, since that time and that season, I can honestly tell you that there have been other times where I have not felt exactly what I thought I would feel, but in every one of those times, I knew what was happening. It didn't freak me out. It didn't scare me. It was just a season. And I would say in the middle of that season, Lord, just let me feel the springs of living water. And invariably, as I would continue to be faithful in my desert place and my wasteland place, all of a sudden in the spirit, I would start feeling the tremble of the Holy Ghost underneath me. And there would be a moving and a shaking. And it may not have been a service like it is today, but it may have been a quiet time on my own. All different kinds of ways that God does it. But you could feel the shaking of the spirit world under me. And just very soon as it began to shake, I would feel the anointing power of God come over me. And all of a sudden the springs and the water and the thirst quenching of his spirit was right there for me. He brings the hungry to settle there in deserts and dry lands to build their cities. Can I just tell you something? I'm hoping that somebody's perspective of everything that's going on around you changes today. That's my prayer. Because can I tell you something? The well-watered territory does not need a church. It's the dry, barren, salty lands that need a church. Can I tell you why I know that? I know that because scripture, but, but when, when uh, Abraham and Lot were deciding, remember who was going to go which way? And Lot took the better of the two, at least in the natural world, and Abraham took the dry parts area. And whose who's, who's lot got bigger? It wasn't Lot's. It was Abraham's. Because in every desert place, God is wanting to release the waters of the Spirit. They sow their fields. They plant their vineyards. They harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses them. They raise large families there, and their herds of livestock increase. When they decrease in number and become impoverished through oppression, trouble, and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt on their princes, uh, causing them to wander in trackless wastelands. But he rescues the poor from trouble, and he increases their families like flocks of sheep. Can I just tell you, I don't know the direction of this country. I, I wish I did. We really don't even know who's going to be president yet. I'm assuming that it's probably going to be President Biden. 
And, and I don't know what policies he's really going to act. I don't know if he's going to help us or hurt us. It doesn't matter to me at this point in time. I, there, have, there has been, I told you, there has been a shifting in my spirit on the political landscape of America. It doesn't matter who does what because God is going to have the last say. And God is going to do what God needs to do. And could it be that he leads through oppression and trouble and sorrow and pours contempt on the, the princes or the leaders, if you will, not to not to cause chaos and disturbance, but that he can then rescue those that are wanting to be rescued. Listen, God is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force redemption upon you. He's not going to force himself into your life. He's not. He's going to try to get your attention. He's going to try to woo you, and he's going to try to, to impress you, and he's going to try to bless you. But he's not going to force you into redemption. But one of the ways that he can allow people to see who's really hungry and thirsty is to create an, an environment for hunger and thirst. And I believe in these last days before the coming of the Lord, whether it be a Republican or a Democrat that leads our country, I believe that he's going to lead our country into a salty, tasteless, barren land, not to punish us, not to, to cause chaos, but to find out one last time who's hungry for the things of God so that we can come along and say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and his mercy endureth to all generations. Now this is where we come in. In verse 42, the godly will see these things and be glad. I haven't seen much gladness online lately. In social media, Christians are in a panic because such and so didn't get elected and things aren't turning out the way that they thought it was going to turn out and troubles are on every on every corner. Listen, when you see all of that going on, that's the time when the godly needs to get glad. I'm glad that we're seeing upheaval. I'm glad that we're seeing turmoil because it's in the midst of upheaval and turmoil that God does his best work. Listen, it was in the beginning that God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and substance, but then and the, the spirit hovered over the water, and all of a sudden he said, let there be light, and there was light. It was in turmoil and chaos until God spoke into it. Take it all the way to the New Testament, the book of Acts. God pours out his spirit in Acts chapter 2 and thousands come into the church but by Acts chapter 7 they are fleeing everywhere because Saul of Tarsus is arresting them and putting them into prison and stoning people like Stephen and there's mass chaos. What does the Bible say? That they were afraid? That they were scared? That they fell apart? That the church ceased to exist? No, 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 no. It says this. And they went everywhere preaching the gospel. Listen, when God allows the dispersion of his people, the chaos and the turmoil, and the turmoil that goes on, it's not a license to cower in a corner. It's a directive from the heavens to step out and declare what thus says the Lord. He is good and his mercy endure to all generations. He has redeemed me, so I will speak out and tell others. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
struck silent. Those who are wise will take this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. I don't know why you came to church today. You may have thought that, well, it's Sunday, it's where I need to be. You may have thought, well, if I don't go, my kids won't go. If I don't go, my spouse won't go. If I don't, whatever the reason. But could it be that God has you here in order to step into your heart and to flip a switch that recognizes what's really going on in the world today? I told you, this isn't a message that I've totally had together. This song came to me while we were singing Holy Water. But what has been going over, and my wife and I have talked about it some, is the more I see, the more I get excited because the closer to the coming of the Lord, we seem to be getting. And can I tell you that churches have preached that through the years as a hammer of fear. Well, you better get right with God because he's coming again. the Lord started changing that attitude to me. It's why I have told you as a church that it's not my responsibility to tell you how to get to heaven. It's my responsibility to tell you how to get to Jesus. Amen. And he'll take care of getting you to heaven. I preach the principles of the word of God as, as well as I can. But I, I don't have a laundry list that you need to meet to get to heaven. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, he'll tell you. You'll feel it in your heart when you're right and when you're not right. So when I preach the coming of the Lord, I'm not using it as a hammer to scare you. I want to tell you that the Lord is coming soon so that you can become so excited, yeah. so that you can be so on fire yeah. for him, so that you can say like John said at the end of the book of Revelation, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Yes. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Not to get me out of this stuff, but because I want to see him. Yeah. I want to look upon his face. Yeah. I want to see him for who he really is, and I want him to see me for who I really am, because there's coming a day where I'm going to be reunited with my loved ones, and you and I, we're going to sing holy water around the, the throne of God. We're going to rejoice, we're going to sing, we're going to have a great time, we're going to be in the presence of the one who died for us and rose again. It's an exciting time to be alive. It's an exciting time to experience the kingdom of God. Don't let this world get you down. It's temporary. The Bible says it's going to pass away and there's going to come a new earth. Don't worry about what's going on around you. Just get plugged into the right kingdom and allow the kingdom of heaven to saturate your spirit because when that begins to happen, all of heaven will begin to run, tremble and begin to pour out all of the things of God. 
And then we can say, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. And he redeemed me. I want to invite you to stand. I don't know if you have felt this today, but there has been a transition in the spirit from the time that I got to this pulpit to where we stand right now. When I got to this pulpit, there was such a depth and a heaviness of the presence of God. Let me tell you what that heaviness is. The Bible says calls that glory. The glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is the heaviness of God. And there was a glory that had settled into this place. And as we worshiped, there was a transformation of the weight of glory, which is for us, to the release of glory which is for them. And that transition began to happen within the spirit world as Pam began to share the word of the Lord about the stones and the walls coming down. And as we began to progress through this, there was a shifting of the spirit realm that we are in today from that heavy glory power atmosphere. Not that, that it has disappeared, but it has transitioned. And the reason why it has transitioned is because the glory of the Lord now doesn't want to settle on us. It wants to emanate from us. And it cannot emanate from us until we take it to us. And so in the last 40 minutes or so, as I've been preaching, I have been watching some of your faces. I have been watching some of your responses. And as you have responded to the word of the Lord, I have watched in your face the heaviness of the glory of God has started settling into the spirit of who you are. And we're getting ready to walk from this place. And when you walk into a restaurant, when you walk into your neighborhood, when you walk into your work tomorrow, there is going to be a glory that emanates from you. And people are going to look at you different. And they're going to wonder what you have experienced over the weekend. And so when they ask you, well, did you have a good weekend? You can say, oh, yeah, by the way, I've been redeemed. And let me tell you about it. I've experienced the glory of God. Let me share it with you. And as the glory goes out from us, that same weight of glory that we experienced a little while ago will settle into their life. And they'll be driving down the street on the way home from work and they'll feel something that they haven't felt and they'll experience something that they haven't experienced. Listen, I know it's true because it's happened even this week. We heard from some people that don't go to church, but they came to a funeral and they sensed the glory of God at a funeral. And they said, I felt something. Well, can I tell you what they felt? It wasn't me. The glory. In this season, 
the glory is settling in, not just to consume us, but to, to, to go into us and to saturate us so that we can share it around us. As we sing this song, I'm going to ask you one more time today, would you raise your hands in the presence of God and just begin to worship as we begin to sing this song in Jesus' name. God. 